We're going to be in Leviticus chapter 2, and there's an offering here in the King James. It's called the meat offering. Um, it's, uh, interestingly, it has nothing to do with meat as you and I think about it. It's grain. It's, it's, a, it's a grain offering, but the, the way that it's translated there is as meat offering. But, um, but that's what we're going to talk about is this meat offering. And as we get into it, the, the beginning thought I want to give you, and, and it's, this, this is the way to introduce this to you, and just to remind you of something that I think you already know. You owe everything that you have to God. In this passage in Leviticus chapter 2, just prior to that in chapter 1, 1 verse 4, in fact, I'll just go there and look at it with you, chapter 1 verse 4, he talks about the worshiper putting his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it, the burnt offering, shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Just in this passage, just in the verses prior to this, God has made a way for sinful men to be reconciled to him, to have their sins atoned for. That because that burnt offering has been offered, and you'll see later on, you would see later on in chapter one, that that means that that person offering that burnt offering now is fully acceptable to God. Now in the Old Testament, it was an animal. It was a, a bull or a, a goat or a, a bird that was offered in chapter one of Leviticus. That's what was offered in the Leviticus uh, burnt offering. But the writer of Hebrews says that the law can, this is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, and then verse 4. The law can never, with those sacrifices which were offered year to year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. It's, he's saying they could offer those all the time, but that would never fully, really make them perfect. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. In other words, what was going on in Leviticus, it was what God prescribed. It's what they needed. But it was simply a temporary measure. Let's put it that way. It wasn't the full measure. It was looking forward to something that was much more perfect. And Jesus Christ was that perfect, ultimate sacrifice. Paul writes about it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isaiah writes about it this way, that it pleased God to bruise him, that he put him, that he hath put him to grief when he shall make his soul an offering for sin. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe I want to make sure you're hearing what I'm saying. If you're seated here and you believe that you have a home in heaven, and I hope that you can say amen to that. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, that you could raise your hand high saying, yes, I'm going to heaven. I hope that's where you are. If that is true of you, if you truly can say, I am on my way to heaven, it is only because of what Jesus has done. There's no hope for you apart from that. But because he was that burnt offering, he was that one that was totally consumed for us in our place. Because of that, you have a hope. You have a future. You have something to look forward to. You have access to the throne room of God. 
That's who you are. Now, even before salvation, by the way, if you're saved, oh my goodness do you owe the Lord. But even if you are not saved, if you were seated here, if you were seated here and you were to say, well, Matthew, I've never put my faith in Jesus. Let me just tell you, even apart from what Jesus has done, by the way, that's a lot. But even apart from that, God has provided you with everything that you have. The breath you breathe, first of all, actually originated with him. And the fact that your lungs open and close and your heart beats every day is because the master, the maker, the creator has caused it to do that. You can't do that on your own. This whole world we live in, he created it. Genesis chapter one says that in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. In other words, the place that you live, the place that you know is your reality, it exists because God made it. If there was no God and he decided not to give it to you, you would not exist. And I know that feels like a big burden, but that's the point that God has given us literally everything that we have. The food we eat, the warmth we enjoy, the strength we use to do the work that we do, the rest that we need. Don't we need rest? Well, you know where that comes from? The fact that you can lay your head on a pillow and that your eyes will close and your body will do what it's supposed to do and go into that time of rest and repair. It's because God provides that to you. This is something even Cain, you remember the guy who the first murderer in the, in the world, even Cain understood this. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3, that it says in the process of time came to pass that Cain brought the first fruits from the ground as an offering unto the Lord. Here's Cain, a man who would later be known as the first murderer. He understood that everything he had came from God, so at least he's going to give a little bit of it back to God. That's what he's recognizing. And that's why now that we have been acceptable or made acceptable because of this offering, this atonement in chapter one, now we come to chapter two where God now gives instructions for the Israelite nation, how they might acknowledge that fact. We owe it all to God. What in the world are we going to do to acknowledge that? Therefore, we have what is called in the King James, the meat offering or the, the meal off or the, the, the grain offering or the cereal offering. That's what we have here that's being offered. It's done in appreciation for all of God's gifts. Don't forget what James says in James 1.17, that every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. So Leviticus 2 tells us about this meat offering that, allows us to show our dedication to God. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. So I'm going to dedicate myself and my goods and my possessions to you. I'm going to give those to you. And it follows this burnt offering because dedication follows atonement. If we have been atoned for, if our sins have been atoned for, if we are acceptable in God's presence, then the next thing that follows is we must. It, it should behoove us. It should, should just drive us forward to say, Wow, my God loves me enough to actually provide a way into his presence. Then I'm just going to give myself over to him. I'm going to dedicate myself to him. So make sure you hear me first. If you hear nothing else I've heard, you owe everything that you have to God. And if you will take that seriously, like I believe that the Israelite nation did, they took that seriously. If you take that seriously, then the first thing that's going to happen is you will give God 
a memorial for what he's done. You'll see this in this, in this passage. I want to ask you to look with me in Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 1. He describes this offering in the first three verses, sort of the basic, the, the essence of this offering. He says, when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he shall take there out his handful of flour thereof and the oil thereof and the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant, so the leftover part, what is not burnt to the Lord, in verse three, the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. So these, this was basically in its, in its most essential form. It is a bit of flour. It is some oil with that flour. And then there would be some incense, frankincense, this, this sort of sweet smelling incense that would be put on it. And that would be burnt to the Lord. And then what was left, it was just a handful that was put on there, a big handful probably, but all that's burnt. But what's left would be given to the priest for, their, for, their, uh, for them to, to eat and to use for their needs. But part of it, what I want you to, and I should also point out, I only read verses one through three. This is if they're giving just flour, that's really what they're doing, a fine flour. But they could in verses four through seven, it describes how they could cook it. They could bake it as a piece of bread, like a, a loaf of bread. They could bake it like a pancake. They could fry it like a donut. There was all kinds of ways they could fry it and fix it. But they could either be cooked or it could be as flour. But the big point I want you to see here is what he says there at the end of, um, at the end, of, or rather the middle of verse 2, where he says, And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar. That here he's taking a portion of what is being offered and it's being presented as a memorial. That memorial is simply, it's a, it's a representative part. It's a, it's a part of that simply to say that all of this is being offered, all of this flour, all of this cooked uh, cake that's being offered, all of this is being given to the Lord because you recognize that some of it goes to the priest and some of it's burned on the altar. But we're going to take a portion of it and we're going to say that's dedicated to the Lord. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty. I want you to understand. I want to be real clear with what I'm doing. I'm about to take a little bit of liberty with that word memorial. In the scripture there, the word memorial basically means a representative part. But I believe that there's, there's a lesson here to be say, said that sometimes that our giving is going to be given as a memorial, meaning as a memory, as a way to remember something that has been done for us. The reason I say that is because this offering that they're giving here is not given in order to be accepted of God. Do you understand this? They're not coming with their flower and saying, God, I hope you, hope you like this. They're not coming with that to get acceptance from God. You know where that happens? That happened with the burnt offering. That, 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 that animal that was burnt completely consumed, they put their hand on it and said, this is dying in my place. That's already been done. So they're now coming, remembering what God did for them in the burnt offering. They're remembering that and they're saying, I've already been accepted. I'm thankful. I'm celebrating that. I'm appreciating this, God, that you've already done this for me. This offering was not a down payment for some future reward. This was simply saying, I've already got everything. I've been blessed so much. I can't stand myself. I'm going to give a little bit of it back to God. That's what this, this was about. 
So we need to remember what he's done for us. In fact, there's another part of this, which I didn't get down to. If you go down to verse 13, I'm going to skip all the way down to verse 13. And there's a little bit of an element that is required in addition to the flour, in addition to the oil, in addition to that frankincense. There's a little bit of an element that says in verse 13, every oblation or every offering of thy meat offering shall thou season with salt. He says, you got to put a little salt in this thing. And he explains why. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With thy, all thine offerings shalt thou offer salt. Salt was something that would represent for them, something they would have included in any kind of covenant transaction between peoples. This was something that was part of that. I, I'm honest with you to tell you, I don't fully understand exactly all the details of why salt was part of it, but that was something that they would have used Salt would have said, this is a long-lasting agreement between us. It's a, pres- uh, you know, salt is a preservative. It's a long-lasting agreement between us. So we're going to have salt to show that it's going to stick. It's going to stay there. And he's saying, I want you to put some salt in this to remind yourself that my God is a covenant-keeping God. That we're going to have that salt to remind us that when he made a promise, He's going to keep his promise. It's, it's true, it's right, it's pure, and it's eternal when God makes a promise. So I want you to put that salt in there. All that's simply to say that we need to be reminded, that's what they need to be reminded, that God keeps his promises. Let me put it to you this way. Try to make this applicable to us. When you give to God, now, now we understand we're not, we're not bringing our, our, our cornbread to the Lord and having him burn it on the altar. We don't do that. It's an Old Testament thing. I understand that. But it is, please understand, it is representative of what we're to do today in that we're to take the things that God has blessed us with. And that day it was fine flour. And to give that to the Lord, give it back to him as a memorial to express our gratitude for what he's done and reminding ourselves that he's never going to fail. When you give to the Lord, whether you're putting money in an offering plate at church, whether you're giving of your time to help another person, whether you are doing whatever it is you're doing and you're saying, Lord, this is for you. When you're doing that, you're reminding yourself, not, not that you're trying to earn, if you're trying to earn favor with God, you're doing it wrong. You've already got all the favor you're going to get from God, and it's a lot. But instead, what you're doing is you're reminding yourself, my God is so good to me and has blessed me so much, I'm going to give some of it back to him. I'm going to help him. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to show that he's so good to me. And furthermore, in doing that, I'm going to put a little salt in there to remind myself that God keeps his promises. I'm going to remind myself that every time I help somebody, every time I give some money, every time I give up my time and my, my, my possessions, that I'm doing this because my God is so important. But it's also important to remember this as I say all these things. The burnt offering has to come first. There are some people in this world, and there might be some in this room, and I, I want to try to correct that thinking, that thinks if they can give enough, that God is going to look down and say, well, that old boy's given a whole lot. He's given a lot of money. He's helped a lot of people. He's a good person. And I'm just going to go ahead and let him on into heaven. I'm just going to tell you, this is not the way to get God's acceptance. Giving is not the way to do it. In fact, this giving comes because you're accepted, not to get his acceptance. You have to have that burnt offering first. This 
grain offering or this meat offering, as it's called here, it's always connected in Scripture. You'll go back through Numbers, I think it's chapter 28. You're going to see how they're giving these offerings. And this is always connected to the burnt offering, that they're accepted by God. There's atonement that's been made for sin. And then because you stand in that place of acceptance, then you say, now let me give something to the Lord. So please make sure that if you are, if you're trying to apply this to yourself, please understand, if you do not have Jesus, God doesn't need your gifts. You understand, all the stuff that you can give him, he can make it like that if he needs it. You understand that. He doesn't need your gifts. But if you have Jesus, you have all you need, and then you can simply say, thank you, Lord, and give it back to him. That's the distinction here. You need to understand that. You have to do that. You have to make that memorial if Jesus has uh, saved you. Now, the second thing I want you to see is the net, look at the, the way that they have um, describing these, these, uh, the elements of this offering. You're going to see that there are some very specific requirements. He talks about how this is an offering that's made of fine flour. So very, very, uh, uh, very finely ground flour. Um, it's of high quality. He talks about the oil here, pouring this oil on there and this frankincense. Uh, it was the, the, uh, the salt I mentioned in verse 13 as well. It's, if you think about that, if you got flour, oil, and salt. I mean, it's pretty, pretty basic. It's very pure. Not a lot of additives to this thing. Very specific. It was also a, probably a significant amount of, of this stuff too. Uh, by some estimates that I was reading on this, it's probably anywhere from about two to, two to five pounds of flour that they're bringing. Uh, they're probably bringing as much as a quart or as little as a quart and as much as a half gallon of oil. I mean, this is not a small, not, we're not just talking about you mix some stuff up in a bowl and you brought it. I mean, this is, you're bringing some, some amounts of, of material here to the Lord. But it's, it must include fine flour, oil, and salt. Very pure, very clean, very high quality. It says in verse 11, let me ask you to look down there in verse 11, that says, No meat offering which, shall, uh, which he shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven, and ye shall burn no leaven nor any honey in the offering to, of the Lord made by fire. He says you're not to include leaven or honey specifically in this offering. Leaven, if you know this from really almost all the Old Testament and even the New Testament, leaven, leaven is definitely um, representative of something that permeates, uh, the, and it's how this works. You know, if you put leaven in there, it makes it puff up, you know, blow up. It makes, the, makes those, those loaves big, but it permeates that oil and it changes it, transforms it into something else. And then often it's seen as a symbol, a symbol of sin um, in, in the scripture. So you're not to put that in there. You don't want that. You want it pure. You want it simple. You want it just as it is. Even when you cook it, it's unleavened, he says. And then no, no honey. I, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure why this is. I guess just don't want anything added to it. He doesn't want anything. So it's sweet enough. If you're giving it to me, you're adding, you're adding some sweetness to it. I don't want any sweetness in this thing. But he doesn't want anything added to it. He wants it pure. He wants it long-lasting. Now, if it's burnt, we're going to include this frankincense, which we talked about in verse 1. Uh, which y'all remember frankincense, if you remember the, the Christmas story. You know what the, 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 the wise men brought to Jesus? One of those things was frankincense. And that's not a, not, a, not a coincidence, I don't believe. I believe that that was brought on purpose because that, that incense was something that had been referenced in the Old Testament offerings. But furthermore, just on a basic level, this stuff ain't cheap. This stuff's not cheap. 
This is a pricey, expensive incense that's been brought, but it would produce, as you see there in verse two, uh, it's a pleasing odor at the last part of verse two. It's a sweet savor unto the Lord. But then there's also this, this other thing I'll just briefly mention about the first fruits. You'll see that in verse 12 through the end, of the end of the chapter. It would be those first blooms of the season that would turn into fruit. Those things could be offered in a special way too. All that simply just to give you an overview of the fact that God didn't say just bring stuff. He, brought, he said bring some specific things. I want you to bring high quality, good amounts. I want this in here, not this in here. I want you to be careful about what you're bringing. Why is that? Why is God wanting something so specific, something so special? Don't forget, remember, God gave you everything you've got. Don't forget that. That's important because if you, don't, if you lose sight of that, then this makes no sense. But if you remember God gave you everything you, you've got, then whatever he's demanding that you give him to show your appreciation, do you know that there's more where that came from? Think about it this way. God gave you, I'm just going to use money, because we all, we're, all, we're all greedy around here. We don't know how money works. I know, I'm just as bad as everybody else. We all, we're all the same way, so we know about money. If I've got money in my hands, I might tell you I work hard for that money, and I might be telling you the truth, but you know where all of that money ultimately came from? The power to do it, the ability to save it, all the things. You know where that came from? God himself. And if I, if I believe, you know what, that money that God gave me, let's say, let's say I got $1,000 in my hand. And I say, that $1,000, man, I think I ought to give some of that to the Lord. That was going to give $200 of it to God. Do you believe that the same God who gave it to me could give me $200 if I needed it? Do y'all believe that? I don't think you do. I believe it. That God, if I gave it to the Lord and he wants me to have it back, you know what he's going to do? He can give it back to me. That's right. I don't believe, don't believe this. I want y'all to understand that the same God who gave it to you can get you more where it came from. That's right. I think some of us, I included, we think about our resources as limited and finite, and they are. But please understand that, that they're finite to me and to you, but they are not finite to God. He has, as the Bible says, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And my daddy always used to add, always still adds, because he's still alive, act like he's not alive. Uh, my daddy always adds, he says, and he owns all the takers and the heels. He, he got, he's got all, it's all his. He made all of this. There was nothing, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, there was literally nothing. And he spoke, and it's all here. And you're sitting there saying, well, I got a thousand dollars, I better hang on to this. Can't do nothing with this because, man, God's, God's, we poor mouth God. God can do anything. You know, you've got to understand that what he's asking for, if he's asking for it and we truly needed it, he can provide it. Furthermore, even if you don't believe that, God's worth it. God's worth it. I believe he's worth it. That's a bad example, silly example. It's a decent example. It's silly, I think. By comparison to God, at least. My wife is a lovely lady. I love being with her. I love her as my wife. Sometimes she wants some stuff, and I'm thinking, I don't know, what am I going to do that? <laughs> but you know what I do? I try to figure out how to do that. Do you know why? Because she's worth it. And I just, 
said that's a silly example because I'm trying to compare that to the Lord God of the universe. And let me tell you, if there's anybody that's ever worth it, it's him. He is worth it. Also remember, this is an offering of dedication. I'm going to fuss at you a little bit, so I want you all just to buckle in. I'm going to fuss at you. I'm going to be nice when I do it, but I'm going to fuss at you. So many of us want to, because we know it's the right religious thing to do, we want to give something. And we'll just talk about it in simple terms because we're in the church and we talk about, think about giving to the church. I want to give some money to the church. So what we do, honestly, is we figure out all our bills. Okay, we got a little bit left over here. Okay, I wanted to go to the restaurant and I wanted to save for this and I wanted to do that. Looks like I got a little bit left over after I do all that stuff. Let me give that and then act like I've done God a favor. Okay? Now again, y'all don't have to be happy about what I just said. I understand that, that I'm hurting somebody's feelings and I, I understand that. I'm not trying to be mean to you. Just trying to tell you what we do. But if we're going to do this the way that it's laid out in chapter 2 of Leviticus, we recognize that we have access to God because God has provided the way. We exist because God exists or gave us the right to exist. He put breath in our lungs. He put power in our, in our bones and muscles. And then we're going to come and say, Lord, I don't even have existence apart from you. And I definitely don't have acceptance apart from you. So I'm going to give you what you say. And that's going to be high dollar. And that's going to be hard to get. And that's going to be difficult to get rid of. Because, man, I sure could use it. If y'all, some of y'all that farm before, you, the last thing you want to do is look out there and say, man, where's the best crop? Let me go take that and give it away to the Lord. What do you want to do with that? I mean, best case scenario, you hang on to it and sell it for a higher price. Best case scenario, maybe you get, get an award for it at the county fair. Whatever it is you want to do. The point is, what they would do is they would literally watch for those first blooms to come and said, that's it. That's a first fruit. That's a good one. Go pick it and let's take it to the Lord. That's what they're doing. But what we want to do is we want to say, give him the after effects. We want to go and say, well, there's kind of a scrawny corner over there. Let's harvest that and let's get that to the Lord. There's a little bit over there that I probably wouldn't use anyway. We'd probably feed it to the cows. Let's go ahead and give it to the Lord. That's how a lot of people think about giving to the Lord. But retaining what's best for your self-indulgence is not in concert with the act of dedication. If you're dedicated to the Lord, what are you going to give him? The absolute best. The stuff that's going to hurt when you get rid of it. It's what's called a sacrificial gift. It's the absolute best. Well, I got a few spare hours on a Sunday afternoon. Maybe I can do something for the Lord then. No, no. What about actually dedicating your life to the Lord? Because that's what he's asking for. What about giving him the very best? What you give to the Lord, both in terms of the attitude of your heart and the gift itself, speaks to the value that you place on God. In the New Testament, God's not necessarily asking us to go harvest the grain and burn it on an offering. He actually wants you you sanctified. It's what he writes about. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's talking about the people at, I believe it's Macedonia, who were, were, they didn't have enough money, but they were trying to help somebody else. 
And he says to them, not talking about the money they gave, he says, and this they did. Later they did give some money. He said they gave this money, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. He said the first thing these people did, yeah, they gave some money and they gave more than they ever had, but it wasn't about the money. It was the fact that they first said, Lord, I'm yours. Do with me as you will. That's what they did. That was the starting point. And let me just put this to you as a New Testament thought, that whatever you give, whatever you give, you can give a penny, you can give a million dollars, you can give a half a second, you can give your whole life, whatever you decide to give, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Remember, it's the heart of the matter as much, if not more, than the substance of it. I believe God has more joy from you that give. If you've got nothing to give, but you give a little amount, but you do it with all of your heart, than the person, the wealthiest person in this congregation that gives half their bank account. I believe that God gives more joy out of that when we give because we want to, because we love him. That is what he is looking for. Now, I'm supposed to be at the end of my message, and I've got about five minutes left. So I need y'all to pay real close attention because I'm about to tell you something that's going to make you think a little bit different. I want you all to think with me, please. Don't leave me yet. Stick with me on this. I've got to ask you to do that because it's a little bit different. I'll just tell you this. Remember, they, got, they bring this big bunch of flour, and they're supposed to grab a handful out of it, put it on the altar, and burn it. Put the incense on it and burn it. There's a bunch left over. You know where that goes? To the priests. To the priest. The priests were supposed to use it. It was called in verse 3 and verse 10, a thing most holy. This leftover that gives to the priests, it's a thing most holy. It was to be consumed by them because they were going to be continuing the work of the Lord. These priests were going to be continuing the work of the Lord. And it was set aside from the normal common use. So there was going to be flour or the, this grain that would have been used for normal common use. But he said this is going to be set aside. Some of it's burnt, but what's left is going to be set aside for the work of the Lord. You got that so far? You with me? Okay. Are y'all with me? <laughs> give me some feedback, y'all. Y'all got to give me some feedback. Okay. All right. Now, what you might be thinking is, okay, here he goes. He's, he's going to preach on giving the pastor more food and money. Y'all going to pound me, whatever, whatever I also do about in a little bit. That's not about the preacher. You know why? Because the parallel to the priest in the Old Testament is not your pastor. Do you know who the parallel to the priest in the Old Testament is? It's you all. I am a priest. You are a priest. I've, we're Baptists around here. I don't know if y'all knew this or not. We believe in something called the priesthood of the believers. What that means is you don't have any mediator between you and God, but the man Christ Jesus. You don't need Matthew Tilly to go talk to God. Again, I want to be your pastor. That means I'm going to help you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to try to show you what the Bible says. But I'm not your priest. You have a priest and his name is Jesus. You are a priest that can go to Jesus. And I tell you that and you, and you need to get that. Yes, it is good to have a pastor. And I want to be a pastor. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a New Testament pastor. But I ain't no priest. Not in the way that they had in the Old Testament where they needed to go to that man to go to God. Not in that way. I'm a priest just like y'all are priests. We have access to him. Now, by the way, that ought to make you happy. 
That ought to make you glad. That ought to make you excited that you don't have to go to a fellow with a backwards collar on and talk to him about talking to God. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You get to go and talk to him. You can stop right now. You can shut me off and you can say, talk to the God of the universe. By the way, if you want to do that, you go right ahead. Because he's your God. You don't need Matthew. All of that simply to say it ought to make you happy, but, 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 but. Let's put you, priests, in the role of the priest of the Old Testament. We offer this offering to God, and there's this offering that's left, and who gets it? We get it. Do you see what's going on here? And by the way, these priests, if you go to chapter 6, which we won't take the time to do, if you go to chapter 6, they were supposed to offer their own grain offering as well, or, or meat offering as well. They were going to do this as well in chapter 6. But, but that means you... Everything you get is not only from God, just like for everybody in the world, but as a priest, everything you get has now been dedicated as the most holy thing. That means everything you own, I don't care if it's a car, if it's a house, if it's a piece of clothing, if it's money in a bank account, if it's food in a pantry, if it is given to you by God, which I believe it is if you're a believer, it is a most holy thing. Ain't that crazy? You know what that means? What if God's people were to treat everything that we have as a holy gift from God that to be is a holy thing? And you know where the priests in the Old Testament got all their stuff? They didn't work other jobs. You know what they did? They got anything that God provided to them through the worshipers, through all the ways that they did. They got what God gave them. Your priests, you know what you get? You get what God gives you. Think about this. Your money, I'm just going to talk about your money because I think that hurts y'all's feelings. I'm going to stick on that. I'm going to poke on that just a little bit. Your money, it's not your money. It's not mine either. Don't get me wrong. It ain't mine. I ain't going to tell you what to do with it. It's not mine. It's not yours. You know whose it is? It's a gift from God. It's the most holy thing to be done for the work of God, the service of God. Meaning, meaning, yeah, you can give some money in an offering plate. Yeah, you can give some time to help some people. You can do things like that. But it's not just giving to churches or charitable causes or other people. It means that so much more than just what you give. It means, you know that whenever you do 10%, 15%, whatever you do as far as giving to the church, that's, yeah, that's giving that to the Lord. But you know what's left? Still God's. Still His. It's not for you to consume on your own lusts. You are to be a priest who is depending on God for everything that you have. And so the question then becomes, are you fully dedicated to the Lord? Now I want you to understand, if y'all weren't paying attention, I just did a hard turn. Because I think y'all started out thinking, well, Matthew's just talking about giving a little bit of money to the church. If y'all heard me there, great. Y'all give a little bit of money to the church. We sure could use it right here. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm literally talking about give every bit of yourself to the Lord. I'm going to go back to that passage I read at the beginning. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. If you want to read it with me, you can. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. He says, I'm begging you, brothers, by the mercies of God. He's reminding us of how good God is. He said, I'm begging you to think about what God has done for you, who God is. I want you to think about that. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, I want you to present your bodies. He says, I want you to give what you do to the Lord. 
What this body can do, it's now God's. And make sure it is, as he says there, holy and acceptable to God. Is what you do acceptable to God? And I want to at least stand up here and be honest enough to confess that ain't all ain't everything I do acceptable to God. And that's the problem. I, I just said it for myself. I can't speak for y'all. But I about guarantee because I know who I know who y'all are, you regular people. And regular people, you know what we do? Stuff that's not acceptable to the Lord. So we need to dedicate our bodies to the Lord. But he goes on and he says in verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants you to give him your mind. That stuff you think about. He says instead of, of, of letting it be transformed or conformed rather to the world, the, the, the world around us, to, to what's on the internet, what's on the television, what's in books and magazines, on the radio and by our friends and our workplace, and all, not to be not let that stuff drive us and shape us, but he says instead to be transformed by the word, to let his word drive our thinking. To literally say, God, I'm going to let this, this mind that is mine, I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to absorb your word and let it drive how I feel and think about things. And then finally he says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To literally give him your will. To do what he wants, not what you want. Better yet, to let his will supersede your will. Your will. Even better to meld the two together to say, Lord, I don't even want to have a will. I want my will to be your will. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do that. I'm going to invite you at this moment to come and give a total and complete dedication of yourself to the Lord. You may say, well, Matthew, I've already been saved. I, I, I hope that's the case. If you're not saved, I want to make sure you off, I'm offering that to you. Is there a burnt offering of Jesus Christ that needs to be offered on your behalf? If you need to accept him, if you'd want to do that, please come. But I'm talking to what I believe, just by conversations with almost, in fact, everybody in here, I've had a conversation on some level with you based on your testimony. You're saying that you're saved. Do you need to come and dedicate yourself fully to the Lord. You might say, well, Matthew, you've done that. I was 13, I was 20, 20, or whatever. I've dedicated myself to the Lord. Well, good. The best as I can tell from the Old Testament, this was not a one and done kind of thing. This was something they did all the time. Maybe you need to do that this morning. I would really, really, I'm begging you. Would you come? Come forward. Make a memorial at the front of this church and say, I want to dedicate myself to the Lord so that everything I do, everything I think, even the things I want are no longer mine, but they're God's.